Events. 
Well, next week is Easter. Yes, happy Resurrection Day. And then uh, May 14th is Mother's Day. Apparently I wasn't loud enough. <laughs> um, May 26th through 28th, uh, Reverends Larry and Angela Keaton will be coming. They'll be doing five services. Uh, they'll have good word for us. Uh, that, uh, there's a healing anointing that, that comes in, uh, in their ministry, and they uh, teach very much in uh, power, the power and moves of the Holy Spirit. So they'll have lots to teach us. Uh, so look, uh, we're looking forward to that. So get ready. Be praying for it. All right. So uh, June 26th through the 30th, of course, is Generation Life Youth Camp. And uh, we have several going from the church this year, uh, including Miss Brianna, of course. <laughs> uh, but be praying for that as well, because that, that is a powerful uh, event for uh, youth. And it, will, and it will impact their lives and change their lives for the better. Because uh, the... Statistics show that if we don't reach kids before they, before they, well, usually before they're like 13, but but before they graduate out, anyways, they're gone. Yeah, they're probably not coming back. So so to be able to give them an encounter with Jesus Christ, an encounter with the Holy Spirit at that age, in their peers where they're in with their peers where they're comfortable and they're, and they're able to receive it. We stop that from happening. And also we're teaching, the, the mandate of the campus to teach a true move of the Holy Spirit. So, and a lot of kids don't get that these days. Yep. So that's, that's what we're all about. And that's what we're, we're praying for and uh, believing for. All right, so we're, we're, again, Wednesday night services have returned to normal. So we'll have Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. Uh, uh, and we will be stud continuing our study on the book of Revelations. Uh, we we started at, uh, at Revelations one and we're just working our way through and uh, go and doing an in-depth study on on the Book of Revelations. Uh, a reminder for those online and well, if they're online, they're already found us. But <laughs> but uh, it, you can if you're not if you're not if you're not able to come, you're sick, something happened, you're out of town. You can uh, you can look up our uh, services on Disciples House Faith or Disciples House Online. Uh, and it'll take you right to our sermons, and you can you can watch them uh, live, or you can download them and watch them. Uh, and also, uh, we are also on Facebook.com at Disciples House uh, and DisciplesHouse.Sermon.Net. So lots of ways to get us online. So it shouldn't be too hard. If if you if all else fails, just look look up Disciples House Murphy, and you'll find us. And then you just got to find where it says ser sermons. All right, so meditation for the week of April 2nd, or our medicine for the week, or our bread for the week. This yeah. is all good stuff, and if you take this scripture and you speak it, over, uh, uh, speak it repeatedly, talk it over with the Lord continually all week, that scripture will get down on the inside and uh, will produce, uh, produce fruit in your life and good success in your life. So our in, our in him for this week is John 15, 9, out of the easy, uh, easy uh, translation. And it says, I have loved you in the same way that the Father has loved me. Continue to live in a way that shows my love. Well, that sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? But you've got to realize that, that um, right here, Jesus is talking to us and saying uh, that we should. That it's, it's always easy to, um, to love people that love you first. Kind of like Jesus and God. 
they loved us first, so we love them, right? But, but, but what he's saying here is he wants you to show his love. Yeah. He loved us before we were lovable. He loved us when we were walking in sin and doing all, all kinds of terrible things. How much harder is it for us to show love to people who are doing that to us? Without God, it's difficult. Without God, it's impossible. And, but that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to show, show his love to the unlovable. You got to be careful about this, of course, you know. Uh, but he's going to be with you, and he's and and you can do it. And and I'll tell you, when people are screaming at you and yelling at you, it's kind of hard to love them. Mm -hmm. But this is what he tells us to do. And that's what we all should be striving to do. This is one, a good one to meditate on. But our confession. Christ loves me the same way the Father God loves me. Christ loves me the same way the Father God loves me. I love right or I live righteously and show the love of God. I live righteously and show the love of God. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is Psalms 103:3 out of the King James. It says, "Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases?" Well, iniquities, of course, is sins. So God forgives our sins and heals all our diseases. And, of course, um, he does this because we're following him and we're walking in love and we're doing what he told us to do. So, and because we ask him, of course. But So as long as we're... It goes, ties back into love. As long as we're showing love and, and walking in love... We're not going to be sinning anyways, but he's forgiven us of those sins that we have done, and he, and he will heal all our diseases. So as long as we're following him and walking in his love, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be healed. We can expect to receive healing. All right? So that's, I'm just sitting here meditating on this. <laughs> anyways, our confession. God has forgiven all my sins. He's healed all my diseases. Amen. All right. And one one last announcement. Uh, Miss uh, Judy has made us a pound cake, uh, and and uh, it'll be it'll be in the kitchen after service. So please get some pound cake. We also have have uh, uh, pictures from uh, Miss Kathy, which which we'll be putting up at the end because they're they're kind of small. You can't really see them from way. I can't see them from way back there. So. So, but, uh, but yeah, so afterwards we'll have the, the pound cake and we'll have the pictures from Miss Kathy and I've got a few text messages. I can tell you what some of the pictures are. I'm not sure what they all are, but I know what some of them are. <laughs> but anyhow, oh, let's get started. Lord, we come before you today and we ask you to be here with us. We know that, that whenever we ask and pray to you and believe in you, you will hear us and you do hear us and you are here with us. We know that you are. Your word says that you will be here whenever we're gathered together to be with you. And we are. We're gathered here to hear from you, to learn from you, and to draw closer to you. Lord, we ask that you show us how to do this. That you, you help us to, to come at you with an open mind and an open spirit and, and good ground for your word to fall on. Not to fall on the wayside, not to be stolen away, not to be choked out by thorns, but good ground. Ground that, it, that 
your word will grow in our lives and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, you are so powerful and you're so mighty and you're just our lead and our Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you do for us, for, for prosperity in our lives and for healing in our bodies and for just the guidance and the protection that comes with being with you. And Lord, and, and, and well, especially for self-control so that we can walk in that love that you so much desire us to walk in. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Good morning, disciples. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I am forgiven. What? Life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and well blamed. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Thank you, Lord. Our Father and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I challenge you this morning to put your eyes on Jesus. We should always have our eyes on Jesus, but right now, as we are, we're one week from when we celebrate Easter, it's Palm Sunday, think about how Jesus was pierced for our transgression, transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. He was wounded for our healing, and all he took all this sin, he took all that punishment so that we could have peace. So just put your eyes on Jesus as we praise and worship this morning. Amen. Jesus 
kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares to gifts. What a powerful name it is. The name of that we have in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Glory, glory, glory be unto your name. Worthy, worthy is the name of Jesus. my cross reborn so I could live in the freedom you died for and now my life is yours and I will sing of your goodness forevermore Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Oh, glory to you. You and you alone are worthy to be praised. Oh, we lift your name on high. Worship unto you. Worship unto you. And now my shame is gone. I stand amazed in your love goes on and on, and I will sing of your goodness forevermore. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name, Jesus. 
sacrifice of your son. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you willingly went and laid down, you willingly laid down your godship and came as a man to this earth. And you lived and you um, operated as a man uh, for 30 years. Then you were baptized, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came on you in the fullness of the power of God. And you taught and you instructed, and you set our example for three years, three and a half years, and then you willingly chose to go to the cross. You willingly chose to lay down your life. You willingly chose the persecution of the world for our benefit. You had us on your mind at the cross, and that was your joy to go. And we thank you for it. Father, we thank you. That while our Christ, our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, our everything laid in the prison of hell on our behalf, being suffered and tortured on our behalf, 
that, Father, you saw fit to send the Holy Ghost, and that you said, enough is enough, and you raised our sweet Jesus. The quickening power of the Holy Ghost quickened him to life, and you set him on high, and he took a victorious walk to the enemy and crushed his head. And, Father, we thank you that the gates of hell did not prevail against our Lord Jesus, and they do not prevail against your church today because of that name and father we thank you that the same spirit that quickened jesus to life has quickened us to life and father we set ourselves to be vessels of honor fit for the master's use and so father as we approach your word today we ask for supernatural wisdom revelation and knowledge father i ask that you cause the word to become clearer than it's ever been to those that read and hear this message. Father, I ask that you give us the give the spirit of wisdom and revelation to every person in this room and that hears this message online. Father, I thank you that you're moving us into this great end time move of God. Father, I thank you that it's no longer coming, but that it's here. I thank you, Father, that you've planted us and our roots grow deep so that we're able to stand in this day and in this hour. And that we're able to walk and move and do what you've called us to do with no fear of the enemy, no fear of man, no fear of Satan, devils, or demons, but honorable fear of you, O God, because without your hand being upon us, we would be nothing and could do nothing. But, Father, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that all the power of heaven earth and the grave was bestowed upon your son and that your son has bestowed that power upon us through his name and father we thank you and we give you the honor and the glory in jesus mighty name amen and amen amen. you uh greet a few people tell them that you appreciate them and then you can be seated as we approach the word this morning thank you father thank you lord thank you Derek. thank you father Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, I get a hug from my other dad. Are you kidding me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 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 I know you guys like to get titles, but I don't have one for you. That's fine. Uh, we're just going to let the Holy Ghost have his way. We're just going to let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do and say what he wants to say. Um, it is Palm Sunday, and many people are very religious-minded about today. Many people are very religious-minded. Many people make it all about the palms that were laid at Jesus' feet. Um, And there's no doubt that there's a significance to that. There's a royal honor that goes before, uh, because of the palms that were laid at his feet um, on this day. But many, many, many people don't understand what was occurring um, in Jerusalem on this day nearly 2,000 years ago. Uh, And honestly, I can't even say that I fully understand it. Because there's just so much spiritual depth 
to be obtained. There's so many things that were happening happening in the natural and in the spiritual uh, that it's hard to wrap your head around it. It's just real hard to wrap your head around it. Um, but I do know uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, uh, Mr. Chris Adams, he works for Brother Randy. He's Brother Randy's right-hand feller. Um, he does a great teaching. He puts it on social media every year, this, this week, every year. And he talks about um, this week or Palm Sunday, this being the day of the selection of the, the lamb selection. This was essentially the day that the lamb was selected that would be the Passover sacrifice. And in that teaching, he talks about how um, the lambs were only able to enter in through a certain gate in the temple. Um, and it was through, I believe it was, don't get me, don't, don't, don't fuss at me, Chris, if I get it wrong. But I believe it was through the east gate. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem through the east gate. See, there's a, par- there's a, there's a spiritual parallel with that. Because he was the sacrificial lamb. The other thing that, that's really cool about lamb selection day is that when the families selected that lamb, that perfect lamb, without spot or blemish, no injuries, nothing, there was no imperfection in the lamb, uh, the, the, the family would actually move the lamb into the house with them. It became part of the family. He became part of the family up into uh, the Passover feast, the Passover day, which was four days. Um, and the children played with the lamb and got to know the lamb, and the family got to know the lamb. And the reason that they did this was to make sure that there was no imperfections in the lamb and to make sure that that lamb was perfect and suitable uh, for being the sacrificial lamb that would wash their blood away or wash their sins away for the year. The other thing about this lamb was uh, they actually became intimately connected to this lamb. How much do you know? Uh, four days after playing with the lambs, the children were not real thrilled with the idea of their lambs being slaughtered and slain uh, for their bad behaviors. Um, so, so the selection of the lamb was incredible. Um, it was just a, just an incredible thing, and we could teach that all day uh, and go into every detail about it, but, but that's not the direction the Lord wants us to go. But you need to understand that Jesus is the lamb. He is the sacrificial lamb. He's the sacrificial lamb by choice. He was God's choice. He chose to be the lamb. He chose to uh, be scored and, and striped and to be put on the cross for our benefit, not for his benefit. See, you have to understand, Jesus had no need to go to the cross to help him. Jesus went to the cross to help others. But what's incredible, and I think the direction the Lord's leading me to go today, is what was happening this week in Jerusalem. What was happening around his entrance? His entrance was amazing. The entrance was powerful. There's no doubt about that. But there were other things that went on right before and even during this week that that we oftentimes we don't think about the significance about what we're talking about. We don't realize that, that, this was, that Jesus knew he was going to the cross. See, when Jesus rode that donkey in, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. Jesus knew 
that him entering in that east gate, he knew that this was the lamb entering in. He knew it was just going to be a matter of a few days. A few days. Um, most people think that Jesus was crucified on a Friday. That's not so. Jesus is actually crucified on Thursday. Had to be a Thursday. Couldn't have been any other day. Why did it have to be a Thursday? Well, because the scriptures clearly say that Jesus went to the tomb early the morning of the first day. Early the morning of the first day of the week. Well, we know the first day of the week is Sunday. We know that. Because why? Because God rested on the seventh day, and the seventh day is the Sabbath, and the actual Sabbath is actually Saturday. Jewish law, from Jew, on Jewish law, they would, they would prep all day Friday. The Sabbath would start Friday at 6 p.m. They would do no work from 6 p.m. Saturday to 6 p.m. Sunday because that was the Sabbath. I mean, I mean 6 p.m. on Saturday. And then at 6 p.m. Saturday began the first day of the week which was Sunday, which was the day that Mary went to the tomb. So Jesus, and the Bible declares that Jesus was in the tomb for three days and three nights. So if he died on Friday and he rose on Sunday, how do you get three days and three nights? You can't. You can't. So it has to back up to Thursday. Now, I saw, talked about this on Wednesday, that the Jewish calendar or the Jewish day goes from sunset to sunrise, or from sunrise to sunset. From 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. is one day. From 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. is one night. If you get a piece of paper, you might want to write it down. It'll make sense to you. So we know from the scriptures, and I'm not going to get into all this. You can go find it in the scriptures for yourself. But we know from the scriptures that Jesus died, that Jesus gave up the ghost at 3 p.m. We know that. We know that he was on the cross for six hours according to the scriptures, which means he was put on the cross at 9 a.m. So he was put on the cross at 9 a.m. Thursday morning. He entered the gates of hell at 3 p.m. Thursday afternoon, which is day one. So from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., that's one day, that's the first day he's in hell. Then from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Thursday is the first night. Then from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Friday is the second day. From 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Friday is the second night. From Saturday 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. is the third full day, third day. Then from 6 p.m. Saturday night to 6 a.m. Saturday morning is the third night. See how he has to be Thursday night? See how he had to be crucified Thursday night to get three days in the grave and three nights in the grave? There's no other way to get the three nights unless he was crucified on Thursday. 
but he was but he arose early in the morning well when does morning start 6 a.m so sometime after 6 a.m on sunday he rose sometime after 6 a.m and we know that mary went early in the morning so we know that she went before 9 a.m. because that would have been considered early. Between 6 and 9 would have been considered early. So he had to go, I mean, between uh, yeah, between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., that's a three-hour window. So sometime in there, Jesus arose. All right. So, but what happened before he went into the gates of hell? That's what I want to look at. Turn to... Uh, let's turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And we're going to pick up right here in verse 1. And we're going to read and we're going to find out what's happening around the time of, of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Let's find out what's all happening in and around Jerusalem at this time. All right. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which, was, which had been dead, which, let me start that again. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead. Now, when was Passover? In when six. did he do the Passover feast? Passover is on the 14th day of Nisan, according to the Jewish calendar. It had to do with the cycles of the moon. So this is six days before the Passover feast. And we know that Jesus entered the city. And we're going we're gonna to read it. Jesus enters the city. And then he sends his disciples. Well, actually, Jesus sends his disciples to go prepare for the feast. And he sends two of his disciples to get two donkeys, a uh, 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 donkey and her colt, her baby. And he rides into Jerusalem on the donkey, and then he goes and he has the feast. And it's at the Last Supper that he, uh, he begins to tell all of his disciples that he's going to die. That's where he does the Last Communion. I'm trying to draw you a picture about everything that's happening here. Okay? He has the last... So he has the last meal with his disciples at the Passover feast. Then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he and that's where he's praying. And this is where they come. Where this is where all of the the Roman soldiers and the Jewish police come and get him is in the garden. So this is all happening the night of the Wednesday. So Passover was on Wednesday that week. Passover was on Wednesday because he's crucified on Thursday. So this is six days before Wednesday. Okay? So that puts us at what day? So if Passover's on Wednesday, Tuesday. so that puts us over, is it Tuesday the prior week? Well, six days, right? Or would it, no, it would be, would it be Thursday the prior week? It'd be Thursday, Thursday the prior week. week. So this is Thursday, right before he enters the kingdom. Okay? I know I'm giving you a lot to kind of put your head around. I know. But, but so this is six days ahead of time. And he comes, so it's six days before the Passover. 
So we know the Passover was on the 14th day of Nisan, or Nisan, uh, and so we know that Passover was Wednesday that week because that was the day that they had to do the Passover feast. So we know that um, this is six days before that, and he's in Bethany, where Lazarus, had, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So sometime prior, he had raised Lazarus. Now he's gone to Lazarus' house. And everybody in Bethany knows that Lazarus was dead. Because remember, Lazarus was in the dead, was, was dead and in the grave. And to the point that they said, Jesus, by the time you arrive, he's going to stink. He stinketh. Remember that? And Lazarus, when Jesus got to the tomb, and Lazarus said, and Jesus said, spoke, to the tomb, spoke to Lazarus in the tomb, and he said, uh, arise. Remember, Lazarus came hopping. Think about this. Lazarus came hopping out of the tomb. A lot of people don't think about this. In, 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 in their era and in their time, they would wrap the bodies in linen. So Lazarus was wrapped. His legs were bound. His hands were bound. His whole body was wrapped. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, and here come Lazarus. Bound. He's bunny hopping out of the tomb. How much do you know? Everybody in Bethany knows Lazarus. Why? Because he came bunny hopping out of the tomb bound. He was dead, and now he's alive. And yet, here comes Jesus to visit him. Now, don't you think people are, are paying attention to what's happening here? There's a lot going on here. Let's keep going. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So Martha was Lazarus' sister. Just keep going. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Can you imagine Martha? Now, we don't read this here. We're not going to read this account today, but in another account of Mary and Martha and the dinner... Remember, Martha got all upset at Jesus, or got all, or got all upset at, Mar, at Mary, and got and went to Jesus and said, uh, "Jesus, will you not instruct my sister Mary to come help serve and come help t- tend to the people in the kitchen?" And Jesus said, "Martha, Martha, you know when Jesus calls your name twice, it's a drama." So here, Martha's kind of up. She's trying to. She's trying to feed Jesus and all of his disciples and keep the house clean and keep the house nice. Have you ever gone to have fellowship with somebody and the person that you went to fellowship with is more is too busy taking care of the house to actually fellowship with you? And you've left going, wow, well, that would have been nice if she'd sat down for five minutes and talked to me. Well, that was Martha's problem. Martha was busy, 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 busy doing. Lazarus was sitting there. Now, did Martha get mad at Lazarus? Nope. No. Why? Because that's woman's work. That's the mindset. Let the men sit and the women do the work. Even Martha had that mindset. Even Martha had that mindset. She didn't get mad at Lazarus. She got upset at Mary. Now, so she gets upset at Mary and, and, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, this one thing you lack. Yes, it's good to be given to hospitality, but when the person is here, when the teacher is here, when the prophet is here, when the Messiah is here, when the Father God's here, you need to take the time to sit down and listen to him. 
So he said, Martha, quit, quit. Martha Mary doesn't need to come act like you. You need to act like Martha. Well, what do you think Martha did when Mary opened up that jar of spikenard? High dollar perfume. High dollar perfume. And began to, began to put that, that ointment all over Jesus' feet. Listen, in that day, the roads were dirt. They had just come in from traveling. And they wore sandals. They didn't wear closed-toed tennis shoes. I mean, come on. Uh, listen, with closed-toed tennis shoes, I guarantee uh, my hikers in the house can tell you, even with your tennis shoes on, you go walking for a long time and you take your shoes off, your, shoes, your feet are still dirty. But they had sandals on. So here, here she took off the sandals and she put that spike, that spike yard nard on his feet cleaning his feet with that with that ointment oil and 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 she needed she needed a cloth or something and she's she just she's just so um in love with jesus that she takes her long hair and she believes she begins to use her hair almost as a scouring pad to get all that dirt and filth off of his feet now what now what's martha thinking so uh there's some stuff going on here but there's somebody else that's about to get offended. You can be right in the presence of God and get offended. How much do you know? Martha had already been offended because Mary was sitting at his feet listening. And now, oh my goodness, now they've taken out the, they've taken out the spike nard and uh, she's anointing his feet. How much do you know? I've been around people like this, and, I, and, I, and I've kind of even gotten into this remote every now and again. Like, that's, like, that's the man of God. You don't talk to them that way. You don't, you don't interact with them that way. Who are you? Can you, imagine, can you imagine everybody at the table? That's Jesus, and she's touching his feet. Like, does she not have any better manners than that? Can you imagine can you imagine what's going through the minds of the disciples in this situation? Oh my goodness. Let's keep going. All right, verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples. Oh wait, let's the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. It doesn't say the house smelled sweet. It didn't say the house smelled good. In other words, she lathered that spike nard all over him. She made it strong. Have you ever walked into an elevator and thought, dear Lord, get me off of this thing quick? That's what the house smelled like. Come on. There's a lot going on in this. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which would betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? <laughs> you think Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot said, uh, excuse me, you just used that whole jar of ointment on his feet? Don't you know we could have sold that jar and gotten 300 pences for it? We could have gotten big money for it. He's thinking, he's not concerned with the odor. He's not concerned with, oh my God, she's using her hair. He's not concerned with Martha being like, oh, what is this? what's happening? He's concerned about the money. He's concerned about the money. I'm pretty sure that, that that was about a year's wages for the average person. Yeah, 300 pences was a lot. Yeah. This he said, 
not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put it therein. Here's where we learn that Judas Iscariot is Jesus's treasurer. He carried Jesus's wallet for him. He carried the money bag. Now, I've said this in times past. Everybody, everybody likes to say, a lot of people like to say, oh, Jesus was poor. He didn't have two nickels Because he together. said things like, I, I have no place to lay my head. No, that's not what he was talking about there. Because the scripture says he was, now do you not know the scripture says he was made, he was rich, but yet was made poor? How could he be made poor if he was poor? Well, he was talking about spiritual poverty. No, it doesn't say, well, Jesus was spiritually poor. How could Jesus, spiritually rich? He couldn't have been talking about Jesus being spiritually rich. He didn't say that. It said he was rich. How much do you know? Rich means rich. And and then the... the, Means well taken care of. The Roman soldiers gambled for his robes. For his robes. They wouldn't have done that for a poor man's robes. No. They did that for a rich man's robes. Poor man's robe, they would have been like... "Mm." Yeah, let's take those over there. (laughs) No, 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 no. You don't let... Listen, when you have no money, you don't let somebody else handle your money for you. No. There's nothing to handle. And if you only have a few dollars, you definitely don't let somebody else handle it. Because that's all you got. You're going to make sure that you got it. No, Judas Iscariot handled the money. And Judas, so why was Judas all upset? The Bible clearly says he wasn't concerned for the poor. He wasn't concerned for the poor. No. Why was he concerned? Because the 300 pence didn't go in the money bag and he didn't get his thieving portion of it. She was affecting Judas's thieving pockets. And that's why he was upset by it. How many, Do you think Jesus was dumb? Nope. Do you think that Jesus didn't have a clue as to why Judas was upset by this? No. Jesus fully understood and knew what the situation was. But here's the deal. So did the devil. And the devil said, Judas, you just opened the door. And when Judas opened that door and got an attitude, when Judas got offended, immediately here came a fiery dart pierced right into the center of Judas's heart to get him stirred up and bitter towards Jesus. Stirred up and bitter towards Jesus. Now, did Jesus have anything to do with that? No. Did Jesus do anything wrong? No. But Judas opened the door, and bam, here came the arrow. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Then Jesus said, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you. But me ye have not always. Listen, there's a lot of people that get offended because the churches don't always take care of, because the churches don't always spend their money on the poor like they think they should. Have you ever heard somebody get upset because a pastor drives a nice car? That money should have gone to the poor. That pastor don't need a car like that. That pastor just, he's a man of faith. He just needs a faith mobile. Well, now, if I need, how am I going to go to and fro and do what God's called me to go and to and do and fro if i got a car that's going to break down halfway to getting me to where I need to go to preach the gospel? 
Now, granted, I don't need a multi-million dollar Rolls Royce, but I do need a good, reliable car that's comfortable, that's going to meet my need and meet my supply and get me to where I need to be. Well, ain't no preacher need an airplane. Have you ever tried to fly a commercial on a schedule? It's not always easy. You don't always arrive on time, and you don't always arrive with your stuff. Sometimes you don't arrive at all. And sometimes you don't arrive at all. Can you imagine? We got the Keatons coming. Now, they do fly commercial. Uh, but God hadn't dealt with them on, on having a plane because uh, they do other things. But can you imagine? We've, been, we've, we've done all the advertising. We've done all the planning. We, everybody's taken off work. Everybody's rearranged their schedules to be here for the five services. And can you imagine what it would happen if they called us and said, hey, listen. We're stuck in the airport in Cincinnati. Yeah, we're <laughs> stuck in Cincinnati, and uh, uh, they can't get us off the ground. And uh, there's been a blizzard, and we can't get a car, and we're stuck. Uh, I'm sorry, we're not coming. Uh, what do you think that's going to do to the church? That's going to cause some problems because God had a plan and a provision. You know, and that's why a lot of times you got to pay for extra hotel time to make sure that they've got a buffer on the front side to make sure that they get here on time. Well, why they got to come in early? Because we got to make sure that they arrive. We got to make sure they get in the house in time. That's why. Well, why can't you throw them a cot down in the living room? Well, how well would you preach if you slept on a cot all night? Come on, come on. Sometimes you've got to make some provisions for some things. All right. So he said, he said, so he, Jesus said, <laughs> he, he looked at Judas Iscariot. He said, Judas, leave her alone. How much you know? Mary was over there thinking, thank you. I'm glad somebody said something stinking up my house. It's going to take me a month of days, month of Sundays to get that stench out of this house. It's probably what she's thinking. But then Jesus said, let her alone. Against the day of my burying. Now, he just said, uh, this has to do with me getting buried. Don't you think Jesus' disciple ought to be shaken out of his offense and, went and say, uh, wait a minute. Wait, did you say that she's doing this because you're getting buried? You'd think they'd notice that. You'd think they'd notice. He said she's doing this because I'm getting ready to be buried. Why was it so important that his feet be anointed so heavily six days before his crucifixion? Because Cause Satan was going to be under his feet. Because according to Jewish law and Jewish custom, the bodies were to be anointed with all of these oils before they're wrapped. And remember, they were going into, remember, they were going. He was crucified um, on on a Jewish on Jewish Passover. So they were going into a Jewish. There's more than one Sabbath. If there's a Jewish holiday, that is also a Sabbath. So remember, um, he was he he. Remember when they took him off the cross? They were in a race to get him buried. Remember, and they didn't have time to anoint his body completely. Well, thankfully, his feet had already heavily been anointed. 
when he was at the Passover, he washed the disciples' feet. The disciples didn't wash his feet. His feet had already been cleansed, and his feet had already been anointed, even though he was doing traveling. This was preparation, because notice he said, he said, this is for the preparation of my burying. In other words, this anointing is going to come in handy when they bury me, according to Jewish law and Jewish custom. So he said, leave her alone. Now, here's the question. How come Mary knew Jesus was getting ready to get buried and the disciples didn't? She had to be praying and seeking. She had to be seeking the Father's face. And the Father had to lay it on her heart to do this ahead of time. She had to be led by God. Let's keep reading. All right. Verse 9. Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also. Whom he had raised from the dead. Keep reading. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Lazarus just got raised from the dead a short time ago, and now the chief priests are wanting to kill him again. Wanting to kill Lazarus again. Why are they wanting to kill Lazarus? He's evidence of the miracle. He's evidence of the power of God. He's evidence that Jesus is the God-made flesh. He's physical evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. So they need to get Lazarus to close his mouth permanently. Permanently. So how much you know, uh, right about now, Lazarus is thinking, man, oh man, I sure am glad Jesus is with me. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Verse 11. Because, by re- by, uh, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Because of Lazarus. The, the Jews were leaving the Jewish faith and becoming born again or, or were on their way to being. They were, they were leaving the Moses law. They were following Jesus, which if they stayed with Jesus, meant that they were on their way to becoming born-again believers. And how much do you know? That was messing with the Jewish priest and the Jewish church and the Jewish religion. Jesus was uprooting the, Jew, the, Jesus, the Jewish religion, and he was using Lazarus to do it. So, yeah, Lazarus was now an enemy of the Jews, so to speak. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel, that cometh in the name of the Lord. So many, many, many Jews had come to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. That was normal. But then they got wind that Jesus was coming. So they stopped their preparation of Passover and went to the gate where they heard he was coming, and they laid down their robes, and they laid down their garments, and they said, this isn't even good enough yet. And some of them climbed the trees and were cutting the palms out of the trees and laying the palms down. What were they making? They were making an entrance fit for a king. They were making a kingly entrance. How much do you know? Um, The Roman soldiers, 
in Jerusalem at the time was not a fan of this. Because uh, who was the king? Herod. And here they are giving this Jewish man an entrance that was fit for the king Herod. So now the Romans are uptight. And the Jews are uptight. Because he's uprooting their religion. And he's getting, and this is just a G, this is just uh, another teacher, another prophet, and he's getting all the attention. A lot going on in Jerusalem right now. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon. As We're it not is, cussing. Right, the name of donkey. Right. Sat thereon as it is written. I figured Dale knew that. I'm just clarifying. Fear not, daughter of Sion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. So that's in that's prophesied in um, Zechariah nine verses nine through twelve. Second time we'll we'll not read it, but that's where you can go back and find the prophecy. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified after he, after he was crucified, after he was buried, after he was raised, after. He went and applied his blood to the mercy seat. After all of that, they went back and they thought and they went, Oh, now we get it. Keep going. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. The people therefore sat, or, or the people therefore that was with him when he called, Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead bear record for this cause the people also met him for that they heard that he had done this miracle the Pharisees therefore said among themselves perceive ye how ye prevail nothing behold the world is gone after him so I said after he was glorified was after his resurrection and all that and there is a truth to that but here I forgot this part He's talking about after, after he paraded in like a king, they all looked back and realized, no, wait a minute, this was prophesied. So, that's, so I misspoke. It was after he was paraded in like a king, they all got to thinking about it, and they thought about Zechariah 9, and they said, hey, that was prophesied. Hey, uh, he raised Lazarus from the, from the dead. Hey, that was prophesied too. Hey, uh, we might need to go see this Jesus. So now they're trying to make provision to, to see Jesus. All right, verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth not alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loves, meaning the seed has to, has to die in order to bring forth the plant. That's right. So, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it until life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled? And what shall I say? Father, 
Save me from this hour. But for this cause I came into this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will, and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. So Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm getting ready to go. I'm getting ready to go to the cross. And, and the Father spoke, not for Jesus' benefit, but for the benefit of the people. And then Jesus said this. He said, now is the judgment of the world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now that can cause you a real head scratcher. Mm-hmm. Now wait a minute, Pastor. You've taught us that, that Satan is the god of this world. Yes, I have. But Jesus said that it's the time for him to be cast out. That's absolutely so too. How does he get cast out? Through the body of believers in the name of Jesus. Satan still has a lease on the earth. But Satan and all the demons of hell are put on a chain. They are restricted. There's only so much that they can do. And even that that they're allowed to do is restricted when we, the body of Christ, stand in our God-given authority, power, might, and dominion and tell them no in Jesus' name. No in Jesus' name. So what Jesus was saying is the hour is coming that I'm going to give you, the person, the ability to cast out Satan. That's what he was saying. Now, that's one of the teaching. Now, how much do you know? We don't, we don't focus on that teaching a whole lot. But this was the teaching that Jesus taught right after he came into Jerusalem, knowing he's fixing to go to the cross. How much attention. Listen, if you, know you, if you knew you were going to die in a week's time, don't you think you'd be very careful to give the key, the, the, most, the most important wisdom you have to give in that day and in that hour? Aren't you going to take special care to make sure that you're getting across the most important things that somebody needs to know? Now, I find it interesting because not in, in most of the situation of Jesus' life, most things are not recorded in all four Gospels. But Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is recorded in all four Gospels. And I find it very interesting that in all four Gospels, right after he enters, a different teaching is focused on that he did. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John sat at Jesus' feet, and each one of them pulled out a piece that he was teaching and said, this is the most important piece you need to know. How much you know, how much you know every piece that he taught was the most important? The most important. So what do we need to get out of this? Well, we need to get out of this that Satan has already been judged. And he's already been cast out of this world through the power of Jesus' name. But we're the body and we need to know that. But I want you to back up a little bit here because he said this. He said, first of all, he said, the hour is coming, verse 23, he said, the hour is coming that I must be glorified. Verily, verily, we've learned this, that verily, verily means 
Truly, I'm telling you an infallible truth, and you need to pay attention. It's like him calling you by your first, middle, last name and says, pay attention. This is true. He said, I say unto you, except a corn or a kernel or a seed of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. In other words, Jesus said, I'm one person. I'm one. I'm one. There's only so much I can do. He said, but if it, he said, but if it dies, which he went to the cross and did, he said, I'm going to bring forth much fruit. What is the fruit? The believers, the disciples, I should say. Because you can be a believer and do nothing for Jesus. The fruit is when you grow. The yes. fruit is when you're truly a disciple. And notice the second thing that he taught. He said, he that loveth his life shall lose it. Listen, if you're more consumed with this world, and you're more consumed with what's going on in this world, and you're more consumed with being entertained in this world, you're going to have your life in this world, and there's going to be misery and pain that comes with it and is associated with it. But you'll have your life in this world. But at the end of the day, when, you, when your spirit leaves your body, that'll be it. Your life will be over. You will be spiritually dead to the Father, and you will spend all of eternity in hell separated from the Father. That's how you end up losing your life. He said, but, oh, I love it. Well, he didn't say but this time. He said, and he that hateth, he, he could have said a but there. But he said, and he that hates his, hates his life in what? This world. This world shall keep it unto eternal, or unto life eternal. In other words, if you will make the decision that what the world has for you is nothing compared to what Jesus has for you, if you'll lay down your life and give your life to Jesus, if, and listen, Making Jesus your Savior is not enough. The Bible says that if you, in Romans 10, 10, the Bible says that if you will confess and believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. What is a Lord? A Lord is whatever you, is the person set over you in authority. And when he says jump, you say how high. When he says turn left you say when and where when he says don't go you say i'll stay just tell me when i can go that's what it means to be the lord and jesus doesn't want to be the lord of your life because he wants to rule you like a hard taskmaster he wants to be the lord of your life because he wants to help you have the good life he wants to keep you out of the harm of danger he can see see you can't see satan and all the devils I don't remember if it was Lester Summerall or Dad Hagen. I got to go back in my books and look. But one of them said this. He said, they said, if the Lord would open up the eyes of the people and just let them get a glance at the number of demons around them, that, that some of them would fall over dead out of fear. That's how many devils and demons there are. Now, we can't see the devils and demons. And we can't know what the devils and demons have for us, have in store for us, but the Father God can. 
He sees the traps ahead of time. He sees the issues ahead of time. He knows the hearts of the people involved in your life. And when God says separate yourself, he's telling you to separate yourself for your benefit. When he says don't take that job, it's for your benefit. When he says stay in that church, it's for your benefit. Listen, the Lord left us in a church for 13 years that was not, as far as I was concerned, for my benefit. Now, the first five years was okay, because for the first five years, there was an anointing um, and a grace for that pastor to be in the office of pastor when he wasn't called to be a pastor. He was given that church time to get his plan and his purpose and, his, and for that church to pursue it. But that church was just full of man's wisdom and ideas, and they just didn't get a clue. And I'm not being ugly. They did the best they could with what they knew and understood about God. I'm not being ugly, and I'm not against anybody. But then, when they didn't repent and get things in God's order, God lifted his anointing, and things went horribly awry for the next eight years. And it was a slow fade, and it was a slow, hard thing. And Michael, myself, my mom, and many that are even in this room said, Lord, <laughs> release us and let us go. And the Lord would say, stay put. And the Lord would say, stay put. And the Lord would say, stay put. Stay, 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 stay. I'm working out my plan. Stay. And I'm telling you what, even though those were some hard eight years, man, oh, man, did we learn some things. Man, oh, man, did God keep us when God wasn't keeping others. Man, oh, man, did we learn some things about rebellion and, and, and the outcome of not repenting when you're in rebellion. Listen, I, I'm, I, I'm not tooting on my own horn, but, man, the Lord, the, if the Lord shows me I'm in error, I'm going to be quick to repent because I know what happens when you're not. I've got evidence of it. I take standing in that pulpit very seriously seriously because of the evidence set before us very seriously so sometimes god will say stay put because you need to learn some things in the hard places sometimes you got to learn some things in the hard places so he said but he said this he said if you'll learn if you will hate if, if you'll hate the life of this world listen I don't have to go out here and drink and get high. Those are counterfeits for the Holy Ghost. I don't have to get out here and listen to demonic music that will put me in depression and suicidal thoughts and get me all messed up in my thinking when it comes to my ability to control my physical flesh. You listen to that some of that, some of that music, it will have you walking and talking and acting like a hoochie woman in no time. Don't be doing that nonsense. I'm not being ugly and vulgar. I'm just saying, you you go down here to the store down here and get to looking around, and it don't take long to figure out what they're looking at, what they're listening to, because they're just imitating what they see. They're just imitating what the devil whispers in their ears. They think, oh, let's let's be cool and give them the shock factor, honey. When I see you all pierced up, tattooed, goofy hair colored, wearing stupid, retarded clothes, I am not shocked. My heart of compassion goes towards you because the devil's got you bound up in so much misery and disgust. That when you go home at night, you're probably, probably balled up in the fetal position in fear. So my heart goes out to you. 
I'm like, dear Lord Jesus, come in the house and let's find out who Jesus is. Let's get you saved and set free. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you how, I, how it is. Come on. Y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, you're being judgmental. Listen, y'all think the same thing I think. Come on. You think exactly the same thing. You're just too weak to say it. Listen. I'm sorry. You put that bull ring in your nose, and I'm thinking, hook a lead to it and let me lead you around. I'm not being ugly. That's what those things are there for. Do you not know that? Do you not know that that's why they put those rings in those bulls' bulls noses? Because that's a very sensitive area. You put that ring in that. Listen, those bulls weigh a couple of ton. If you don't don't figure out a way to control that bull, that bull's going to kill you. So how do they control that bull? They stick that thing in their nose, and they hook a ring to it, and that's how they lead that bull around. Because that bull goes, ow, 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 I'm coming. When I see that in somebody's nose, I'm thinking, do you want me just to lead you around? I mean, I can if you want me to. I'll lead you right into the church. I would suspect you wouldn't even need much more than a string to do it either. Probably not. Come on. They're thinking, I'm going to shock them, honey. You can't shock me. I know the tactics of Satan. I used to be in the world. I know how the world thinks. I, I like how, how you said that the, the, the music of this world will have you acting like a hoochie mama. Apparently that, that affects the men as well nowadays. Good Lord. <laughs> Come on. You know it's true. Come on. The biggest teaching Jesus... Jesus was headed to the cross, and he said, this was one of his biggest teachings, lose your love for this world and gain your life. If you keep a hold of your love for this world and the people of this world, you're going to lose your eternal life. When Jesus talked about life, he was always talking about spiritual life. Yes, he wants you to have a good natural life, but he's concerned about your spiritual eternity. The Bible talks about two deaths. It talks about the physical human death, which isn't great. That entered when the curse entered. But more importantly, it talks about the, what's called the second death, which is being eternally separated for God from, from God for all of eternity. And that's something that you don't want. So one of the biggest teachings, that, one of the biggest last teachings that Jesus did was hold on to your eternal life. Notice what he said. He said, if any man serve me, let him follow me. There's a lot of people out there serving Jesus but not following Jesus. Jesus said it's not enough just to serve. You need to follow And where I am, there also my servant be. For if any man serve me, uh, him will my father honor. If you'll serve God, if you'll serve Jesus by following Jesus, then God's going to honor you. Deuteronomy said, Deuteronomy is very clear. Deuteronomy says if you'll do what the Father says to do, that that God will command the blessing to you. How much you know? That's that's honor. That's honor. He said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause come I into this world. 
Jesus was on there. This was, this was several days before his crucifixion, and he said, I am under pressure. I'm under pressure. Look at what he said. He said, my soul, my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions are troubled. How much you know? If you knew you was facing the, the torture of the Romans, uh, your soul would be troubled too. If you knew you was going to the cross, your soul would be troubled too. If you knew you were being, listen, if you knew you were going to be eternally separated from the Father God for all of eternity, your soul should be troubled. But so many people are like, ah, that's God, I don't want him. Are you stupid? I'm not being ugly. But come on. That darkness that's on the inside because you've rejected God, you want to hold on to that for all of eternity? No, I don't want to hold on. That takes a lot of faith to hold on to that for all of eternity. No, we ain't doing that. Let's go look at, um, oh, I don't know. Let's go look at Luke's account of this. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. You know, I said, I, I said that I would be leaving town. Jesus was staying in town because yeah. everybody's lives and eternity depended on him. Jackie's you know, it, been in my Bible on chapter 19. There's gold glitter everywhere. I, as, as a man, I can understand his thinking because even if one of my children were in that position, I wouldn't leave town. That's right. But all of humanity... Luke 19, we're going to pick up here in verse 28. Now, he had this, this was his teaching right before this, but we want to pick up where he's going into Jerusalem. So Luke 19, verse 28. All right. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Beth, Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go ye into the village over against you, and in, which, and in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereupon yet never man sat. Loose him, and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus, ye sh uh, thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. How much you think about this? Now, and the Holy Spirit just said this to me. I never thought about this before now. He said, um, in which at the entering you shall find a colt tied whereon yet never a man sat. Never a man sat. In other words, this was a wild donkey. This was a wild donkey. Nobody had ever sat on this donkey. He had never been broken. He had never been broken. And yet, Jesus the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is going to sit on this donkey. Now, not only is this donkey, not only is this a wild donkey that nobody's ever been able to sit on, but this donkey's got its baby with it, which means that donkey is going to be that much more honorary because it's going to try to protect the baby as well. The That's what the I was thinking. There, but it, it, You'll find, as we go through and you read this, you find out that, it's, that they, there's the cult and then the baby. There's, there's the mom and the baby. So they've never, they, there's two of them. So this, this thing has never been ridden. But yet Jesus is going to ride it into Jerusalem. 
What a beautiful type and shadow of how coming in contact with Jesus will take all the wild out of you. Isn't that a beautiful just contrast? Just Jesus comes in contact with that, with that cult, and, and, and instantly the wild is just calmed and settled. Instantly. Just calmed and settled. Let's keep going. Thirty-two, and they that were that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? Why are you taking my colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they sat Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And now, they weren't praising God for who he was. They weren't praising God that the Messiah had come. They were simply praising God for the works that Jesus had done. And in this case, they weren't just talking about the 12 disciples. No, they're when talking they about said, all of they're them. Talking, there were thousands. Yes. These were all of Jesus' followers. Yes. The, uh, they, in this case, they're not talking about just the 12. No. And, and, and later on, you'll see that, that, that they, refer to, they refer to them again. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Verse 38. 38. Saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. Now here they're calling him the king. Pay attention to this. And some of the Pharisees from the, among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. In other words, don't let them call you king. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. We've talked about the stones crying out, but many times we don't understand that the, 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 the spiritual power that was flowing at this moment as, as the lamb preparing for the slaughter was walking into Jerusalem, the power of God that was present was so thick that Jesus said, if the people are silent, even the very rocks will cry out. Over here um, in the Ekoi, uh, years ago, there was a massive slide in the Ekoi that closed it for several weeks. And uh, at the time, we had a friend of ours that worked for the TVA. And he was there right before the slide happened. And he said, I never understood the verse about rocks crying out until I was there. He said the mountain was still. Like, you know, they're all going, it's going to come down, it's going to come down. They had geologists and all these people... And they're going, it's going to, you know, it's all going to come down. He said, my natural eyes, the, the indication was nothing was happening. He said, but there was a sound. He said, it literally sounded like the rocks were screaming and crying right before and as they came down. There was a literal cry to the rocks. And I said, man, I wish I'd been there to see that, hear that. Well, there's a video on... YouTube. There is, and you, and you can't. I did. In fact, we did go and look at it, and I said, "Man, you can hear them cry. You can. There is a cry to them." But, but what would have caused the rock, the very rocks to cry? See, all of creation knows that God is God. 
All of creation knows who Jesus is. And the spiritual, the spiritual warfare that was happening in Jerusalem on this day nearly 2,000 years ago was so just overwhelming. That G, the, and, and the Pharisees are thinking, natural, natural, natural. You need to hush. You're not the king. You need to tell them not to do that. And he said, listen. He said, if I tell them to be quiet, the very earth is going to quake and cry. In other words, you don't want me to tell them to be quiet. Keep going. Verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon the other, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Let me tell you, Jesus is looking at Jerusalem. He's looking at all of these Jews. And first they've, they, they've escorted him in as king. Not as Messiah, but as king. They've escorted him in. This is, this is a mass gathering of the Jews. And Jesus is looking at them and he said, if you, if you could just, if you just understood what's happening. If you just understood what's happening. Jesus had to come, come willingly and go to the cross. Not all, because here's the deal. Under Jewish law, under Jewish law, any person could become part of the Jewish nation if they would join themselves to the Jewish house. But the Jews, the Jews themselves had all scattered. At the time of Jesus, there were only two of the ten tribes serving. Of the twelve tribes. Of the tri two of the twelve tribes were serving. Ten of them had gone away from serving God. There were only two tribes left. And of the two tribes, they were divided with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. Even the two tribes were divided within themselves. And some only looked at the Pentateuch. And some looked at the old law. But they were looking to the prophets more than they were looking to the written word of God. And Jesus said, if you understood what was about to happen. Think about, you've got God as the trunk of a tree. And coming off that trunk of the tree are all of these branches. Twelve branches, we'll say. And off of those twelve branches, there's all these other hundreds of branches. What's fixing to happen is the King of Kings, is, is the King of Kings, the Father God, the Holy Ghost, is about to cut all of those branches off of the trunk. That's about what's fixing to happen. I'm telling you, there's people that think that just because they're Jewish, they're going to heaven, and they're wrong. They're wrong. And I'm going to get some kickback on that, but I don't care. Because the Bible is because Jesus said the only way. I am the only way. Which means even the Jews have to receive Jesus as the Messiah. And he stood there and wept. 
because he knew it was only going to be a matter of a few days and they were going to call for his crucifixion because they didn't know who he was. They didn't receive him. They're about to be cut from the Father God and they have no idea. And that's why he said, you're about to miss. You don't understand this is the time of your visitation. This is the time that the Father God is, because Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. The Father God is walking amongst them, and they don't even know that it's God. They don't even know that it's God. And because of that, they're fixing to get cut off. And that's why Jesus weeps. Let's keep going. And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Uh-oh. Now, Jesus, we, we especially, on, especially on Sunday nights, we've been talking about uh, Jesus going from city to city, from synagogue to synagogue, temple to temple. You think Jesus didn't know? Do you think all of a sudden this was the one Sunday that they were selling? For three and a half years, he saw this. Three and a half years, he saw this. And he never said anything about it. And he never did anything about it. Never. In his three and a half years of ministry, he never did a thing about it. But now, this is the week he's getting ready to go out of here. And now... This is the week that things are fixing to change. This is the week that the era of God, the dispensation of God, moving us from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is about to take place. And before he goes to the cross, he cleans out his house. God always works in types and shadows. Before we move into this next dispensation of God, there will be a cleaning out of the church. Get ready. We're already seeing it. We're already seeing churches greatly divided. We're seeing ministers leaving the ministry thousands at a time. Thousands at a time are leaving the ministry. The churches, the, the churches are, that are still standing are two distinct, very different churches. There's the church like ours that stands on the word of God and will not be divided from it, will not be taken from it, and we are guardians of truth. We hold God to his word, and we hold tight to his word. The other church is the church of feel good, whatever you want to do, it's okay. We all make heaven. We can be slippery, slimy, drunkards, addicted, homosexuals, pedophilias, you name the sin. As long as, as, long as you're happy, Jesus is happy, and we all make heaven, church. That's not God at all. The church of coexistence. That's not God at all. That's not the God of the Bible. And just like right before Jesus went to the cross, he cleaned out that church there in Jerusalem, God is cleaning out churches today. Make no mistake. Now, that, does that mean that men can't step up and make churches of their own? Oh, yeah, he can. But God's hand won't be anywhere on it. His hand won't be on it. His hand won't be on it. He said, he said this. He said, you... He said, my house is to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. We put an emphasis on prayer in this house. 
We put an emphasis of prayer in this house. We do. Before we set to any new projects, we're going to pray about it. You come to me and say, you know, you come to Michael and I or come to one of us and say, Pastor, we'd love to do da-da-da-da-da. We'll say, good, let let us pray about it. We're not going to just jump right out and do it. Why? Because we want God's plan and purpose, and we want to pursue God's plan and purpose. We're not looking to do our idea. The Bible says that if man builds the house, he labors in vain. But if God builds the house, then God's handle on it, his hand will be on it, and he'll prosper. So that's, isn't, that, isn't that interesting? That's one of the first teachings he did right out of, right out of coming into Jerusalem. Second time, we're going to kind of skip right here. Let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark's account. Mark's account is in Mark 21. Mark 21. I mean, Matthew 21. Sorry. I was going to say there is no Mark 21. Matthew 21. We're saving Mark for last. Right. Mark 21. We'll pick up right here in verse 1. I'm sorry. I keep saying Mark. Matthew, Matthew 21. 21 Matthew 21, verse 1. I'm right. so sorry. Everybody there? No, because I messed him up. <laughs> Martha. Matthew, not Martha. Matthew 21, Matthew 21, verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. See, the mama and the baby. The mama and the baby. Loose them. Yeah, but the colt's the baby. I know. Okay. Loose them. But and he, bring... rides, he rides the mama. Okay. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass. Technically, according to this review, he's sitting on both of them. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a mama, there's a baby, Jesus is riding on them. That's all we need to know. Sounds to me like that he was riding on mama and the, and the baby was with them. But, okay. Verse 6. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put them on, their, uh, and put on, on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude, the disciples, spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of, Gaz- of, of Galilee. What did they call him? The prophet. The prophet. Not the Messiah. Not the king. The prophet. Many Jews today still believe that Jesus is nothing more than a prophet. Mm-hmm. Keep going. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers. And the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, so they were selling doves for the sacrifices. Okay, 
and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Using how, how many? How much do you know? Take some sacred crowds real quick. How many know people? People will use the name of the church to make money. Jesus said, "No, that's not what it's about. No, that's not what it's about. No, no, no. We're not to use the church to make money. The church should should have an income." But we're not to use the church to manipulate people into giving money. That's not, that's not what the church is for. It's not to manipulate money out of people's hands. That's the work of Satan. We don't do that. Verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And he said, un- by the way, Hosanna means God in the highest. So the children are saying, so the children recognize who he is. God in the highest, Hosanna. They recognize him. And that's why the people in the temple, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the religious people were all mad. Keep going. And said unto him, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, or saith unto them, yes, I have uh, yes, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Listen, little children know how to worship. I'm telling you what, little children, they know how to worship. Come on. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, are we going to keep going Yeah, with that? keep okay. going because this is... Come on, this is his first teaching. This is one of his first teachings. Come on. Gotcha. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Oh, man. Jesus spoke and the tree responded. Uh Uh-oh. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Now, 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 he said verily, I say unto you that if you have what? Faith. faith, underline it. If you have faith, every person has faith. God's given every person a measure of faith. The question is, is will you use the faith that God's given you? Then he said, and not doubt. That statement messes more people up than you can imagine. Listen, faith is an issue and a thing of the heart. You can have faith in your heart and, de- and doubt in your head and faith will still work. What you cannot have is doubt in your heart and faith in your head and get it to work. Did you catch that? You can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head and faith will still work. But if you have faith in your head and doubt in your heart, it will never work. Well, Pastor, how do you do how 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 does that work? You've got to know that you know that you know that you know what the word says. 
You got to have it down on the inside. You got to know what God says. Well, how do you get that? You spend time meditating on the word, finding out what the word says. If it's a promise in the word, you've got you've got something you can base your faith on. You got something you can base your faith on. Even when your head says no, it's not possible. You can still you can say to your head, "Now wait a minute, head." My faith says, according to the word, by his stripes, I am healed. The word says that Jesus was striped so that I could be healed. The word says that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pains so that I don't have to. So, therefore, I have no pain and no sickness. See, you've got the word to base it on. You can put your faith on that. And you can speak to your stupid thinking. But when you got doubt in your head, in your heart, you're not going to speak. So you got doubt in your heart, you got to get rid of it. Because look at what Jesus said. Let's keep following what he said here. He said, "Verily shall not shall you not only do with that which is done to the fig tree." Uh-oh. Jesus just gave you permission to talk to the trees. I have talked to trees. We have a pear tree in our on our property at the old house that we planted, and uh, it was not doing well. And I spoke to that tree, and I said, you listen to me, tree. We planted you in faith. We commanded you to live and to not die and to produce. And therefore, no, it was not a pear tree. It was an apple tree. I said, therefore, we command you to live, and we command you to produce, and we command it now in Jesus' name. And that apple tree still produces. And it's been beat up and attacked and had more shade than it's ever needed, but that apple tree will still produce for us. Yeah, the pear tree was an ornamental. Yeah, it'll still produce for us. Still produce. Jesus said, you shall, look at what he said, he said, you shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree. You have permission to speak to trees. And mountains. And, or but also, if you shall say anything to this mountain, how much you know Jesus was hungry? His hunger was a mountain in the moment. Jesus said, you can speak to any mountain that's in your way. Anything that stands in your way, you have permission to speak to it. Be thou removed and be thou cast into sea, and it is done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask or command in prayer, believing you shall receive it. This was one of the first teachings that Jesus did when he left the temple. Or when he, after he came through Jerusalem, the first teaching that Jesus did in Jerusalem was on faith, faith, faith. Why is faith important? Because our salvation is based on faith. Our eternity is based on faith. Our prosperity and our health and our healing and our good life is based on faith in this life. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Come on, Mark chapter 11. We know Mark chapter 11. We talk about Mark chapter 11 a lot. We talk about Mark 11, for verily I say unto you, if anyone shall say unto this mountain. We know this, but very rarely do we ever look at Mark 11, verse 1. Correct. Find, I was just thinking that myself. So let's find out the setting that he made this statement in verse 23. Verse, uh, Mark verse chapter one. 11, verse 1. Yes. And when they came nigh unto Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereupon never man sat. Again, loose him and bring him. 
And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And here's the whole thing about the cult. The important part about the cult is it was prophesied that he'd come in in a cult. That's the whole big deal about the cult, is it fulfills a prophecy. Let's keep going. And they went their way and found the cult tied by the door without a place, or without in a place where two ways meet. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What, what do ye loosen the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus has commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strawed them in the way. And when they went before, and they that went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about upon all things, and now the eventude or eventide was come, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So here it looks like he just walked in, looked around, and left. But we know from the other accounts that he walked in, he looked around, he whipped some people, he, he tossed some temple tables, he wept because they didn't understand what was happening, and told him, you're missing the time of your visitation. He handled some things in the temple, and then he left, and, 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 and they all fussed because the children were, were saying Hosanna and praising him, and they fussed at him, and he had to deal with that. So he dealt with all that. By the end of the day, he was tired, and he left, and he went out. So let's keep going. Verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. Now you've got to understand this thing about fig trees. Fig trees, there's two different types, two different species of fig trees. And if you have the right type of fig tree, which is what was common in that area at the time, was what they called spring figs. And the spring figs, as soon as the leaves popped, the, the figs also popped. So if the tree had leaves, then that meant that tree should also have figs on it. They might not be ripe, but at least they'd be edible. That's what it meant. So that tree's out there, he's walking, he sees that tree, that tree's out there waving around, going, look at me, look at my leaves, I know you're hungry, I got some fruit for you. He's, that tree's talking to him. That tree's talking to him. Y'all think I'm funny, I'm going to prove it to you in about two right. seconds. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter or ever or forever. What did Jesus do? No, 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 no. I didn't say he spoke to the tree. What did he do? He didn't say it. What did he do? Come on, read verse 14. He answered it. He answered. He answered the tree. Have you ever answered somebody without them asking you a question or saying something to you first? He responded to that tree. He answered that tree. I told you that tree was out there waving around, 
going, I got figs for you. I know you're hungry. I got figs. And then Jesus got to that fig tree, and that tree said, psych, no figs for you. You leaving out of here hungry, big boy. And Jesus answered that tree and said, you're cursed. Ain't nobody eating from you from this day forward. He answered it. How much do you know if you could drive in that faith mobile, your car talks to you? In fact, how much do you know your car talked to you before you ever pick up your keys? You're going to reach for your keys and you'll hear your car say, I ain't starting today. How much do you know that? Sputter, sputter. How, how much you know? You go to flip the light on in the laundry room that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. You're walking down the stairs and down the hallway, and that light starts to talk to you. I ain't coming on for you today. You're doing laundry in the dark. You better get your flashlight. How much you know that light switch is talking to you? How much do you know inanimate things talk to you? They talk to you. And sometimes you've got to answer them things back. They'll talk to you. How much you know your animals will talk to you too? Oh, yeah, they'll talk to you. They'll say, oh, you want me to go that way? Listen, we got Dylan. Dylan's a barker. We call him Sir Barks-a-Lot. Sir Barks-a-Lot. Sir Barks-a-Lot likes to get in the window and bark. But he knows we got the water bottle. But he also knows that the house got these real cool wall things in it. And so what he'll do is he'll sit in the window and he'll go, bark, bark, bark. And you go, spritz, spritz, spritz. So he turns and he'll look at you. he say, I wasn't talking to you. And I'll bark if I want to bark. And he said, watch this. And he'll jump down off his chair, and he'll, he'll stare you down. He'll say, I'm going to bark. It's my house. I'll bark if I want to bark. You watch me bark. And he gets, he gets, he's walking and staring at you. And he gets past the wall where the water bottle can't get. And all of a sudden, he goes, bark, 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 all the way to the other window. And you're like, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to take you by. No, you got you to gotta get him in time and pray for him all night long. Well, Mr. Sir barks a lot. Come on. How much you know? Things will talk to you, and you got to answer them back. That's what Jesus did. Come on, answer them back. Jesus answered that tree. And he told that tree, he said, No man's going to eat fruit of you, um, fruit of thee hereafter and forever. He, in other words, he said, You just die, tree. And his disciples heard it. Verse 15. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. Now this sounds different. This sounds like he did this afterwards. But how much do you know? When you get the four accounts, everybody kind of puts it in a little bit of a different time zone. But what occurred in the temple was the same thing. And Keep he, going. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called... Of all nations, the house of prayer. But ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter called to remembrance, saying, saith unto him, or calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursedest is withered away. 24 hours, less than 24 hours, that tree is withered up from the roots. They said, listen, we could, they had to go, Mike had to go there and cut down a tree at Zach's house. I guarantee you, I'll go to your house today, I bet those leaves are still green. Oh, yeah. I bet you they're still green. 
They're in the back of the truck still green. Come on. But now when he walked, when Jesus walked by, when the disciples walked by 24 hours, the leaves, the roots, everything went. <laughs> Why? Because he said, die. And it responded immediately. Immediately it responded. Keep going. And Jesus answer, answering, again he's answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. Now we'll pause right there. It's really what that, the best way that that should have been translated is have the God kind of faith. If you will believe that when you speak, that whatever you speak to must respond immediately, then it will respond immediately. If you'll believe that it will respond, just like God believes it will respond, it will work for you just as quick as it works for God. Keep going. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Keep going. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your Father, which also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Listen, listen, listen. You don't want to get to heaven and say and stand before the Father and expect the Father to forgive you for things that you may fail to repent for or whatever. Stand before the Father. You don't want to hear, well, you didn't forgive so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And you didn't forgive this one, so I'm unable to forgive you. You don't want to hear that. Forgiveness is a choice. Listen, it's a choice. It's a choice. Somebody has done some wrong or something offensible to you. You can choose to drop the offense. You can choose to drop the charge. Now, does that mean that you go be best friends with that person that's caused you hurt and harm? Well, no. Don't put yourself back in harm's way. Of course not. But also, you don't need to carry that grudge around. You don't need to carry that bitterness around. You don't need to carry that hurt around. Well, Pastor, how do you do that? Every time the number one, choose to forgive. Number one, make the determination in your heart that you're going to forgive that person. Number two, every time that thought or feeling comes up about that situation, say out of your mouth, because he just said, you have what you say. So when that feeling or that thought or that emotion towards that person rises up, you say out of your mouth, I have forgiven, I have chosen to forgive Joe. I don't charge, I don't, I, I, I don't hold that charge against them anymore. Father, they're forgiven and I thank you for it in Jesus' name that my feelings are line up with the forgiveness of my heart. Command your feelings to line up with your choice of forgiveness. And then, and then just force yourself to think on something else. Then when the charge comes up again in your heart or your mind, you say, nope, I've forgiven Joe. I'm not carrying that charge. He's forgiven. I'm not carrying it. I'm not upset. Lord, there's no charge against him. Feelings line up in Jesus' name. And go on. And keep doing it. And keep doing it. And keep doing it. And keep doing it. Until eventually the charge no longer rises up on the inside. 
just keep doing it. I've had to do it. It took me a long time to drop charges against people that have done hurt and harm to me. How did you do it? Every time the thought came, Father, I dropped that charge in Jesus' name. Now feelings line up. That's how I did it. What am I doing? I'm taking control over my emotions. I'm taking control over my body. I'm taking control over my thoughts. No, Lord, I'm not going to think about how they hurt me. I'm going to think about how they're forgiven. And I thank you, Father, that they're forgiven. Well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Do you want to be forgiven? It's not about what they deserve. Do you yourself want to be forgiven? So he taught. So Jesus, after he came to Jerusalem, he praised the children for being able to, for praising them well. He cleaned out the churches. He told Jerusalem, you don't understand the time of your visitation. He wept over that. And then he taught faith. I've given you faith. Exercise your faith. If you will, and you, that you have what you say. It's a whole sermon in and of itself. I don't have time to get into it. But you have what you say. You've got to, we've got to learn to quit saying stuff that we don't believe in because it affects our faith. It affects our faith. We need to only say those things that we believe in. Can you imagine if uh, people drop dead if every time you said, you got so mad at them and you said, I could just kill you, and then bam, they just died? Can you imagine? How horrible would that be? Well, that just blows me away. And then poof, you just blew away. How horrible would that be? Well, that just cracks me up. And then you look like a cartoon and you crack and you fall into a puddle and they got to come sweep you up. How bad would that be? Well, I just, I was laughing to death. How bad would that be? You start laughing, you fall over dead. Wow, Jesus, I didn't expect to get here that soon. Well, you kept saying that you laughed yourself to death. I mean, come on. Sometimes we got to clean up some of these things that we say. We have what we say. These are critical teachings that Jesus did. These were the critical teachings that Jesus did right before he went to the cross. There's several more. I don't have time to go through all of them. But I was just looking at the very first ones that he did. Can you see the importance of these teachings? Jesus went into Jerusalem saying, I'm fixing to die in a couple of days, but before I do, you need to know and understand. I will clean out my church. He said, first he talked about, he, he talked about the children praising them. Hosanna in the highest. And he said they praise well. Praise well. And the rocks will cry out. He talked about the rocks crying out. I didn't even listen to that one a minute. That had to do with praising. Then he, talk, then he said, I'm going to clean out the church. He cleaned out the church. Then he wept over Jerusalem, wept over the Jews being separated, cut from the Father, because they didn't understand the time of their visitation. And then he taught about faith. And then we could say the fifth one was he taught forgiveness. How critical True. these are. How critical these are. So we really got to put some, some, emphasis, some emphasis and some understanding in these teachings. Well, glory to God. I, I preached myself uh, well satisfied. And uh, I've learned some things just from meditating on the word and listening to the Holy Ghost. I have, I, I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I'm not saying that nobody's ever preached a sermon like this because I haven't heard every sermon ever preached. But I've never heard a sermon talking about uh, the importance of the things that he preached right after he went into Jerusalem. Um, but uh, the Father God knew the importance of it, and he said, I want you to point this out to my people. I said, okay, Lord, we'll point it out. I didn't even know that's the way we were going to do it until I did it. 
Praise God. Praise the Lord. You want to bless the people? Yes, ma'am. Tithes and offerings. If you're writing a check, you can just write it out to DHM. If you want to write it shorter, you can do that, or Disciples House Ministries. If you want to give online, you can go to discipleshouse.faith and click the Give tab. If you want to text, you can text the word GIVE to our uh, texting phone number, which is on the screens. Um, so we make it easy. We don't do it. We don't have all those options because we're trying to get money out of anybody. We're just trying to make it easy for those that do want to give. Thank you, Father. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word we've received today. We, we receive it with gladness and singleness of heart. We, we hold on to it tightly, and we meditate on it throughout the week. Lord, we will, we will do this. And we know that this will get down on the inside of us and it will grow in our lives and it will bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we just know that, that you have you've led us closer to you and, and that we will have a deeper understanding of who you are and, and, and what we are supposed to do in this earth to, to further your kingdom. And Lord, we give unto your kingdom because you gave unto us first and so much more. You gave us everything. You gave us your all. You gave us your life. You laid your life down for us so that we wouldn't be separated from you. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank we you, just Lord. we thank you for that. And we give into your kingdom because we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that the, the things here on earth, they, need, they, they require money. So we give unto it. And we give because you gave unto us first. And you made us able to, to, to gather money and to, and to obtain money. So it's yours anyways. Without you, we couldn't have done it. So we give, it, give back a portion unto you. And Lord, we, we ask that you bless this, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the furthering of your kingdom. Father, we do praise you and we honor you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness, your love, and your mercy. Father, we thank you that your word is working, that your word is true, that you're opening up the windows of heaven, pouring us out a blessing that we cannot contain it, and that you're holding back the tactics of hate and Satan against us. Satan, we command you to release our funds in every form and fashion, release our stuff, release the sevenfold return from everything that you've stolen. Angels, go according to the word and cause increase and favor to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You may serve the people.